Maggie here, and I get to talk with two of my favorite people on today's podcast. The first is Kingsland's girls minister, Kayla Self, who also happens to be my roommate. And the second is author, speaker, and counselor extraordinaire, Sissy Goff. Now, you may remember Sissy from when we interviewed her in October of 2019, when her books, Raising Worry-Free Girls and Braver, Stronger, Smarter came out. Well, now she has released a book specifically for teen girls dealing with worry and anxiety, and we get to chat with her about it. The book is called Brave, A Teen Girl's Guide to Beating Worry and Anxiety. It's an amazing resource, and we have a really great conversation about it. You're not going to want to miss out. Sissy, we are so excited to have you on our podcast. Um, We did an interview, listeners, you may remember we did an interview with Sissy uh, a couple years ago in 2019 when her uh, her book Raising Worry-Free Girls came out. Um, And now she has a new amazing book that just released this week. Um, Sissy, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and then tell us about your newest book? Yes, my name is Sissy Goff, as you said, and I have been counseling kids and families for almost 30 years now at a place called Daystar Counseling Ministries in Nashville, Tennessee, that's like a little yellow house with a white picket fence, and we have 13 counselors on staff, and we have five dogs on staff, and I think 1,900 families currently that are coming to Daystar, and it's a really pretty amazing place to get to work. And out of that work that I do with kids and families, I get to travel and speak and write and some of those things. But definitely my, my main gig is getting to counsel kids and families day in that. and day out. All right. And so you just released your newest book and it sort of follows, you've released, I don't know if you would call it a series, but sort of um, an umbrella of resources uh, for parents and kids who have anxiety and, and worries. And so you've released your latest book in that um, grouping. Can you tell us about Brave? Yes. Yeah, so Brave, whereas uh, Raising Worry-Free Girls was written for parents and Braver, Stronger, Smarter mm-hmm. was written for elementary age kids. And now Brave is for the teenagers in your life. And it was really written because Pre-pandemic that we were looking at the statistics, I'm sorry, I'm stuttering. This pre-pandemic, we were looking at the statistics being one in four kids with girls twice as likely to deal with anxiety. And now in the midst of the pandemic, we're now at one in three adolescents are dealing with anxiety. And, and I was really more worried about the little ones before it ever started. But honestly, with the pressure being lifted and them getting to have more time at home and so many things that are different in young kids' lives, I think they're doing better in a lot of ways. There are obviously still some kids who are struggling with anxiety, but the age group I've become most concerned about are the teenagers because not only have they gotten more anxious, but I'm starting to see that anxiety spill over more into depression. Mm -hmm. And so we've got this double concern with them. And, you know, a lot of them still aren't in school, still are pretty isolated, and we don't know when that's going to end for some of them. And so it felt really important right now to get some tools in the hands of kids and families to help them see that things could be different. Absolutely. I know when I was reading the book, I really loved that you um, spoke to the pandemic that we're walking through because I think that that has changed things um, for so many people and it's going to be long lasting, um, like you were saying. Right. Yeah. 
Um, so in the very first chapter, you define the terms fear, worry, and anxiety. Why do you think that it's important to start off by defining those words? Well, and y'all, you know, you're with kids day in and day out too. And so y'all know this, but, you know, we're living in an age where, and this, I think this has been for probably about three years, but it continues to get worse that I'm seeing more and more kids who are diagnosing themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. kids don't say anymore, I feel stressed. Or I'm worried about something. They say I have anxiety or they don't say I'm sad. Mm -hmm. They say I'm depressed. And so I think that the hard thing about that is we don't know really when the alarm bell is sounding because everything sounds like an alarm bell. And so wanting to help the teenager who's reading understand the difference between fear and worry and anxiety, I think helps the grownups in their life understand better what's going on and helps us know how to lean in and, and give them again some tools to deal with it because everybody has fear. And I would say everybody worries. Maybe mm-hmm. in the pandemic, we'd say everybody has anxiety. <laughs> but I think, you know, it's not to the same degree. And so learning how to help, I think, helps really differentiate the word. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that Kayla and I can both speak to what you were saying about kids diagnosing themselves and and almost sort of, you know, there are definitely kids who are struggling with those things, but I think kids can sort of get themselves into a cycle where they're identifying by those terms um, instead of who yeah. they really are. What I love that you said that. That's mm-hmm. one of um, the things that, that was one of my favorite parts of the book as I was writing it because I feel so passionately about it. And I can't remember exactly how I said it, but something like don't let a small part of who yeah. you are become who you're becoming, mm-hmm. you know, in your identity. And I think that feels so true for adolescents because they're doing that. Well, that part spoke to me as an adult, too. (laughs) I underlined that part. Um, So what is the relationship between those three words, fear, worry, and anxiety? I would say fear really is elicited by something. You know, we Mm -hmm. feel fear in the presence of something that we're afraid of, from spiders to snakes to storms, whatever it is. And when that's gone or the threat of it's gone, we're fine. Whereas worry is a little more pervasive and, you know, we could talk a lot about brain chemistry and what happens, but worry is not really set off by an, an occurrence or something that's happened. Worry typically is something that, that we do in our own brains and, and actually the cortex of our brains where we kind of ruminate on things. So it's more like I hear a sound that's a totally normal sound, but all of a sudden the train's left the station and I think someone's in my house coming mm-hmm. to get me, you know? So it's like we just kind of deliberate on something over and over and over and think about it. And then anxiety means not only do we think about it, and and all of us have what are called intrusive thoughts every day where something pops into your head like, you know, oh, no, is something bad going to happen to my mom or something bad going to happen to my child? And if we don't have anxiety, we might worry about it for a second, but then it passes. Mm -hmm. But if we have anxiety, that, that thought gets Stuck. And I always tell kids it's like the one loop roller coaster, it's fair, but that thought gets stuck and it keeps circling around and circling around and circling around and they don't know how to get themselves out of it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the last time we spoke with you, we were talking specifically about um, elementary kids and a little bit younger. And, and this newest book that you've written is, like you've said, it's for teen girls. And so how, do you, how are you seeing anxiety um, manifest itself specifically with teen girls? Like what should parents be looking for or noticing? 
Well, I, it can look similar to the ways that it does with younger ones. I mean, they can definitely have complaints about their body. I mean, their heads can be hurting, their mm-hmm. stomachs can be hurting, those kind of things. But but with teenagers, part of what's confusing is with little ones, they're around. You know, sure. we're seeing them. We know basically how they're doing. But adolescents are in their rooms so much. And especially if they're in virtual school, they're in their rooms even more. And so we've got to make sure they're emerging from their rooms for one thing, to see their countenance and get a sense of how they're doing. But I think it can look a lot like anger for adolescents. It also can look like them kind of perseverating on a certain idea. So, and I would say in general, I have never heard as many girls putting as much pressure on themselves academically as I have lately. And so I think we want to be watching for something like that, where you can hear that I didn't do well enough, or I'm not good Mm -hmm. enough at this, or I can't seem to get this right. Or you can tell they're looping about something like that. And then, you know, I think we want to watch for symptoms in other ways. I have definitely seen more kids in my office with eating disorders since the pandemic started Mm -hmm. than I have in the last probably 10 years. And of course, you know, we're all eating more. (laughs) We're out of control and we don't like ourselves a lot during this whole process. And those are some of the driving factors for eating disorders. And so if you feel like something else has come up that you're concerned about, but I mean, y'all, you know, you, I think you'd agree with me on this. I think more than anything else as a parent, if you're listening, trust your gut. Mm. And if you feel like something is off with your adolescent, then I would, I mean, the reason that I wrote all of these books was to, I kind of laugh about it, like work people like me out of a job. But, you know, my, <laughs> yeah. my hope is that you could get the book first and that really might make a difference and you don't even have to go see a counselor. It's really like mm-hmm. the first 12 sessions of things I do in my office. But then if it doesn't help, obviously at that point, you need to take them to see somebody where they can interact back and forth with a person. But I think trust your gut and see what you, you know, what do you feel like is going on with them? That's good. So, Sissy, this is Kayla here. So I work with the team. Hey, Kayla. Hi. It's so good to talk with you. I just wanted to say I got to sit down and – What was that? I said y'all too. (laughs) Yes. Well, I got to sit down and read your book on Monday. And just right from the intro, I just wanted to say you just shepherd their hearts so well. And Mm -hmm. um, as someone who who gets to meet with with teens all the time, I know how important that is to have trust. And I read your book, and it's just so easy – um, to immediately just trust you and say, okay, yeah, I want to, I want to listen and receive. So just thank you for the way that you're um, speaking to these girls through a book. And I, I'm, I'm excited to be able to hand this out as a resource um, to our students specifically. And I kind of have a, a long question, but I really want to pick your brain on this. Okay. So I meet with students all the time. I'm sitting across the coffee table with them. And here at, at um, Kingsland, we're really big on empowering parents to lead their students. So a lot of times when kids are bringing fear, worry, anxiety, hard stress, whatever, you know, really tough situations they're walking through, a question I often ask them is, have you spoken to your mom or dad about this yet? Have you let them know, you know, what you're telling me? And typically... I love that you're asking that. Way to go. Thank thank you. Well, so, but typically, and I'm sure you get this a lot in their office, your offices too, um, I get one of three answers. One, you know, my mom or dad just doesn't get it, you know, so that this is usually a parent who has never dealt with any kind of fear or anxiety for themselves or they're uncomfortable with the situation. So their child just doesn't feel comfortable. B, they'll say, my mom or dad is too busy with fill in the blank. So it can be their job or other kids or they're distracted. So I'll hear the phrase a lot like, I don't want to bother or stress my parents out because they're busy with such and such. And then finally, I hear often a lot, you know, they would just freak out if I told them what was going on. Mm 
then this is, you know, a parent who, who normally has the right heart and wants to help their kid, but then they, they try to fix it so quick rather than maybe listening. And so for whatever reason, kids just don't often feel comfortable talking to their parents. And so would, if parents, they're primarily going to be listening to this podcast. So what would you say, and I really want to know this too, um, to those parents of, of how to meet their kids if they're not quite opening up and they can feel something's wrong? What would you say to that? Well, you know, I, I think the three of us probably are so on the same lines in terms of what we hear kids say. But but the number one complaint I hear teenagers say about their parents is that their parents and moms, I think y'all are amazing. And I want you to hear this very graciously, but moms are the main ones who try to fix it. Mm-hmm. And so I think so often they feel like we're not understanding when we really are. Mm-hmm. but we're trying to fix it so quickly that we're not even hearing them. And so I think we need to slow down. And again, I say that I hear both, like, as I'm saying this out loud, I see both people sitting in my office and I do believe parents have never been as stressed as they are right mm-hmm. now. And so I think the kids are picking up on that from a genuine mm-hmm. standpoint too. But I also think every one of you parents that are listening would put aside your stress and want to sit down with your kids. I mean, obviously you're listening to a parenting podcast. You care mm-hmm. a lot. And so, you know, I always talk to parents of teenagers about my two favorite words are empathy and questions that we always start with really listening and hearing them and even doing like the silly marriage counseling 101 stuff. Like, it sounds like you feel really stressed right now, or it sounds like things are really hard, or I hear you that you don't know what to do in this friendship or whatever it is that we're just reflecting back. Mm -hmm. And then I think as a part of that empathy I mean, one of the things I try to talk about so much in the book, because I think it's true, is that I don't believe it's ever harder to be a teenage girl than it is today. And I felt that before the pandemic, but especially mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. And so I think when parents say things like that to their kids, like I wasn't a teenager when we had social media or technology to the degree that you do. And I especially wasn't a teenager in a pandemic. Tell me what it's like for you. Right. What do you think it's like for your friends? You know, just that we ask questions like that. And then in any situation that they're coming to us back to, you know, regular empathy and questions like, what do you feel like would help? You are so smart. I feel like you have become really wise here lately. What do you want to do in that situation? What do you think God would want you to do? Because questions imply capability to kids. And that's what they want to feel. They want to feel like we like them and that we believe in them and that we think they're capable. And so to communicate those kind of truths as we're talking. I think all of those things are wins when we think about talking with teenagers. Yeah. Thank you so much. That's really helpful. And I know too, I ordered some of the parent resources that mm-hmm. you've written. And so if you're a parent listening to this podcast and you, and you want more information, I'm sure that, um, what is the title of that sissy? The one for parents? The Raising Worry-Free Girls. Yes. So Raising Worry-Free Girls is a great resource for you guys to pick up. She mentions this in the intro of the book, but especially if you're wanting to be equipped to walk alongside your child as they're walking through this stuff, I think that that's such a great resource for you to know because exactly what she said, you want to hear what's going on in their world and you care and you want to understand. And so being able to listen and ask questions and be equipped as you're leading your child is so great. Yeah. And Sissy, I know that one of the tools that sort of falls under that um, category of the last question that you offer um, is the worry thermometer. And so I know what that looks like, you know, for parents to sort of take their elementary child's worry temperature. But what how do you do that with a a teenager? I would imagine that that looks a little bit different. (laughs) Yes. 
So all these things are harder with teenagers because we have to be so subtle. You know, our our first book we ever wrote was called The Back Door to Your Teen's Heart um, way back in the early 2000s. And and it starts with this quote from my friend and boss, Melissa. And she said, to the degree that kids can predict you, they'll dismiss you. And I love that statement. And y'all know that's true. Mm-hmm. Um, it's why we have better conversations with teenagers sitting across the coffee table from mm-hmm. them. And so, you know, I, I think if we're direct, like, tell me what your worry temperature is right now. They're going to say, mom, and roll all their eyes and try and run away from it <laughs> instead of trying to be a little less direct. And, you know, I think even... If you have a teenager reading that book, I think you could say, I, I mean, I do think it's helpful to read the Raising Worry Free Girls book because there's a lot in it. But also, I think it'd be great to read that book alongside her. Now, not necessarily her copy, but <laughs> because she's going to journal in it mm-hmm. and she's not going to want you to read it. But re- read a copy of that book, too, because it's so geared towards just specifically adolescents. And then I tell parents of teenagers all the time, like, I think a shared journal is a great thing to do. So. Mm-hmm. You write her a specific question like, um, what's your level of worry this week and how can I help? And then she answers and maybe she writes a question back. And and the thing I love about that is you don't even have to have face-to-face interactions with them about it mm-hmm. because, you know, teenagers feel awkward about intimacy with their parents, which is why I think the indirect part of it's great. And so you can write it and never even acknowledge that you're passing the journal back and forth in real time. You just are yeah. doing it back and forth. So that's one way to do it. Or, you know, I think even just as we ask teenagers questions, as as much as we can try and suck the intensity out of our voices, like I tell parents of teenagers all the time, try to be breezy. Breezy is my favorite word <laughs> with teenagers. So like, uh-huh. so, you know, even like if you're playful, like how bad you're worrying now, would you say, you know, or just yeah. asking it in a different voice than tell me your worry temperature, but like, so are you mildly worried, medium worried, or big worried about this one? And how can I help? You know, that we follow up with that question too. That's so good and so practical. I love the journal idea. Um, and I think that that could be really, really helpful. So for parents listening in on this podcast, you're obviously going to have kids all over the map. And you've talked about the importance of defining the difference between worry or fear or anxiety. So specifically with maybe parents who are just dealing with more of a mild sense of they just have a worrier. What are one or mm-hmm. two maybe practical ways? I know you just mentioned the journal, which is really great. Do you have any other ideas that could be really helpful for parents to practically love their children who who worry? Yeah, I mean, I, I do think checking on them, like, how's your worry? What can I do? I mean, questions like that regularly can be helpful. And I would say one of the other really practical things is, you know, I think they get, I mean, we could talk a lot about brain chemistry. I know we did last time and, and how the amygdala takes over when any of us are really anxious. And when the amygdala takes over, we're not rational. And so if your child is really stressed about something, a test coming up, and you try to say, well, I think you've prepared enough already. You don't need to do more. They're just going to get that much more stress. Mom, I haven't done enough. I know I haven't done enough. Like I see so many kids who study much more than they need to because of that. And instead... To, to not engage if you can tell they're stressed right now, but when they're in their room later to come in and, you know, maybe take them a cup of hot chocolate mm-hmm. and say, hey, I think, you've, I think you've done enough. Like, I think you can let it go. And maybe even, I mean, one of my favorite things too with kids and families are code words. And so to talk to her or him in a calmer moment of like, 
Okay, I want to have a code word with you when I think you're pushing yourself harder than you have to, or you're worried, and I think things are really okay. Where I still want you to talk to me about it, but it's kind of a reminder that like you've got this and you're capable. And maybe it's enough, or now nah, they might think you're telling them to stop. Maybe it's banana, or you know, it could be anything, but some kind of code word that you can use to signal to them. I think you're making this more than it has to be, but I do think we can only do that when they've heard, when we've heard their worries first or else they still not heard and not understood. Yeah, that's helpful. So why do you say in your book that the most important thing you do is helping girls find their voice? Because I think girls lose it in adolescence really considerably and especially anxious girls. I remember a girl saying to me years ago that it was like she faded Mm. during the years of her adolescence. And I think that's what happens to so many of them. They doubt themselves. And that's research says that too. When something goes wrong in a boy's world, he blames someone else. And when something goes wrong in a girl's world, she blames herself. And so that is part of why I think having her talk about her emotions and asking questions that help her realize she's capable and she can get to problem solving on her own. I think all of those things help ward off anxiety. I think finding her own voice really is, part of the antidote to anxiety as well. That's so great and super helpful too. We were we were talking about this before because it's not just parents. It's as as a girls minister, I want to sit across from the table and speak that identity into those girls and that they're brave and that yeah. this doesn't have to stop them and encourage them and coach them through those things and point them towards truth in the midst of hard circumstances or situations or struggles that they're walking through. And so I think it's so important to remind kids that um, in, in Christ and through the Lord that they can, you know, use their voice and be brave and, and fight. Mm-hmm. And God wants to help yeah. them and free them and um, walk with them through that. I love that. Yes. And he delights in them mm-hmm. because they sure lose sense of that. Absolutely. Well, Sissy, as we wrap up, um, the the question we like to end every podcast with, because this is a podcast for parents, what is one thing you would encourage a parent to do today to help their daughter fight anxiety? No, honestly, I think what I would do today is I do think we're so stressed and I think we're all pushing ourselves so hard and I have never heard more parental shame than I'm hearing lately in my office. And I think so much of that is you feel like you're not monitoring technology enough and you're not doing all the things and you're not helping them enough with whatever situation that it is. And and what they really need is just you. And so I would encourage you today to go for a walk with them, even if they roll their eyes about going or act like they don't have time, take them anyway, or sit down and watch a show with them and laugh with them. Or do something where you're not trying to fix something or correct anything or get some important teaching truth in that you feel like you haven't done. But spend time with them, just enjoying them and tell them how much you like them and why. Mm, I love that. I love the idea of um, enjoying your own kids because I think that that's something that that we can miss out on a lot. And kids yeah. are great and they're fun and they're funny and and there's so many things to delight in kids about so i love that and just the the seeking out connection you know without you know trying to teach or or you know bang their head over the bible or something like that but just yeah. connecting with them Sissy, thank you so much. It has been great to chat with you again. Parents, you can get any of the three books mentioned, but specifically Brave at your favorite bookstore. Sissy, we're excited for these resources and we can't wait to get them in the hands of parents. Well, thank y'all. I'm so grateful for you both and the work that you do with kids too. 